you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. LAist Studios. You're listening to How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. We wanted to take a moment to talk about the mass shooting in Colorado Springs. A gunman killed five people and injured several others the night before Trans Day of Remembrance. Q-Bar is a place where the shooting happened. It's one of the few queer establishments in the area. It's scary to think about dancing with your loved ones one moment and then one other minute you're dodging bullets. For me, the best way to get it out there, get your feelings out, is to talk with friends and understand how they're feeling, but also just talk about why these things happen and how they impact our community, our queer community. When the pulse shooting happened in 2016, I felt like I needed to be with community. Friends like Travel Anderson, who's with me today. Hi, my name is Travel Anderson, and I am the host of the Fanti Podcast. We're going to listen back to our episode, Brown and Gay in LA, where we talk about the pulse shooting and how that impacted the larger LGBTQ community. And afterwards, we'll talk about how we feel in this moment. Just a quick heads up, this episode contains some strong language and depictions of trauma. If you're listening with kids, you might want to sit this one out. Welcome back to How to LA. I'm your host with the most, Brian De Los Santos. Today, we're going to try something a little bit different. I want to talk to you guys about my friend, Anthony Ocampo. Anthony is a big voice for queer people of color in LA. He's a child of immigrants, and that resonated with me because I'm queer, I'm brown, and I'm undocumented. When I found out that he was writing a book, I wanted to learn more. The book is titled Brown and Gay in LA. Sounds kind of like someone. I'm talking about myself. We know LA is a city of immigrants, and Anthony is LA through and through. I know not everyone's going to identify with the story of a brown gay man in LA, but the way he navigated his queerness really resonated with me. I wanted to ask him about his experience growing up here. I mean, I... I feel like I grew up like a lot of kids. Mom wants her son to like marry a nice girl and have a family so they can have grandkids. And when I talk to other queer children of immigrants, same story. I didn't know what gay was because this was the 80s and 90s. So the only representation of gay folks was pretty much the AIDS crisis. All that I saw on TV was images of like white gay men. There was queer gay characters in Filipino TV shows that my parents were watching or my grandma would watch, but almost always there were caricatures. They couldn't live their own lives. They were just there for kind of like accessories. I think that played a role in my coming of age in the sense that I literally could not find the words to explain what was happening to me. I remember when I got to college there, I had no shortage of gay friends, gay women, gay men, but Overwhelmingly, when you go into like the LGBT center, the Pride Center, all I saw were white gay folks. I looked at those friends and I thought, well, I don't see myself in them, so perhaps I'm not gay. The first time it all clicked, 
I met a friend who was openly gay, Mexican-American, son of immigrants. We went to Circus Disco. This massive club with several dance floors. One room would be playing Spanish rock like Mana, another room would have hip-hop, another would be like pop music like Britney, Katy Perry. These men looked like the men that I grew up with. And here they were like grinding up on each other, making out and embracing and holding hands. And it was just like a mindfuck. That was a time when being gay wasn't as accepted in the mainstream. We didn't really have apps like Grindr or Scruff or Tinder to easily meet men around your same location. You had to go to the clubs. We knew that the world hated us, but in this space, we could be fully ourselves. Some of the people I interviewed basically described going to circus like going to church. Those spaces seem like they're far and few between now. What was so important about clubs like circus, it was part of everyone's coming-of-age experience. It was a place to dance. It was a place to be desired. It was a place to desire. That's where you met your first set of friends, your first boyfriend. That's where you danced when you had your first breakup. It almost feels like, oh, if you can hit up someone on your phone and meet them locally, then there's not so much of an urgent need to go to the clubs. Anthony's talking about the end of an era. There were spaces that catered to queer people of color in L.A., but as rents went up and dating apps like Grindr became more popular, these places started to disappear. Right in the middle of that transition, in 2016, polls happened. I was scheduled to give a graduation speech that day at UCLA. And, you know, graduation speeches are supposed to be, like, hopeful and go and live out your lives and dreams. And then here was this terrible, terrible experience that happened where all these young folks' lives were essentially cut off and destroyed. And it just destroyed me to know that in the one place you finally, after all these years of homophobia and people rejecting you and treating you like shit and calling you faggot. There's this one space where you could just be, and that was ripped away in an instant by a mass shooting. 49 people died that night. I'm all the way in LA, thousands of miles away from Pulse, and that incident reverberated for me too. I actually was still awake when the news alert started coming in. I was working at the LA Times at that moment. I had my apps on, notifications on, and I was getting home. You know, it was Pride weekend, so the boys were coming over to just do a nightcap, and I started to read. And I get emotional because I saw the families, and I saw, like, two boyfriends who wanted to get married to each other, you know, and have family. And I'm like, dude, that's the story of me and my friends. Pulse is the kind of place I would have loved to go. Those types of spaces are sacred to our community. But you know what? We make those spaces. It's not just a building. And I feel like that's the experience of being brown and gay in LA. It's creating space. And Anthony is the type of person who is always trying to create space for other people. That's what he does in academia. That's what he does at his parents' house, hosting his friends. And he does that with this book. I asked him, so what did you learn from the people that you talked to? Let me just start with the personal. Full stop, I just, I just needed to hear those stories because I had no blueprint for myself for how to navigate 
what it's like to be a gay son of immigrants. These men may be under the same category, but there's a plethora of different experiences. I wanted to write a book that reminded people of what these young men experienced. Not that I wanted to harp on the trauma, but I wanted folks to remember that even if we have same-sex marriage or whatever, you know, love Victor on TV, (laughs) which I love, by the way, um, (laughs) it doesn't erase the fact that gay folks experience trauma. Some of the folks I interviewed said when they came out of the closet, their parent drove them to Mexico, dropped them off in their hometown, took away their passport so they couldn't come back so that they could get straightened out. I wanted to write about that stuff in a way that would honor the fact that those experiences were real, despite the fact that things are quote-unquote getting better. This, to me, this shooting at Q Bar in Colorado Springs brings memories of Pulse. Like, both shootings Mm -hmm. were very targeted. Take me back to that day after you're like, I'm going to go out to Pride anyway after, you know, 49 people were killed in Orlando. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it was such a sudden thing. I remember being on Twitter late that night and seeing the extent of the violence that had happened. I think that year, at least for me, Pride took on a different meaning, a a new meaning perhaps. I just needed to be around queer people. I needed to see us be our freest, most authentic selves and be around and in community. That morning, the police also like stopped some guy who was heading to the WeHo parade trail with like guns and stuff like that, right? So like it it was one of those small things that we could do to like show all the bigots and show all the fools that like despite your attempts to, you know, snuff out our energy, our joy, our pride, here we are anyway. Yeah, I I felt like I couldn't be alone as well. And to be honest, you know, when I heard the news about Colorado Springs, I texted my boyfriend and I told him I'm not okay like I was so shaken up you know I'm like I was literally out celebrating a like Friendsgiving quote-unquote at a gay Latino bar the night before and then I wake up to the news and I'm like the trauma was brought back up to like when Pulse happened how are you feeling at this moment we all figure out ways to survive and to cope with the ways of the world I'm going to be honest with you, because, you know, we good Judys. Mm -hmm. I saw the headline and I kept on scrolling. I was like, this is not something I need to be like just delving into because I remember how I felt around Pulse. One thing that I think is important to know is that this past week was Transgender Awareness Week, right? Mm -hmm. Two out of the five people who were killed at Club Q are trans people. We are moving through a world in which as queer people, as trans people, as black people, as brown people, so many folks don't think we should exist in the ways that we do. For us as queer people, our clubs, our bars have always been the one place you know you can go and be your fully unfolded self. When you are on that dance floor at a gay bar, at a gay club, it really is It is the most freedom I have ever felt. Mm. In an ideal world, 
we wouldn't have to be scared or concerned about trying to have a night out with your girls, right? And then one of your girls don't come home. This shooting is one of those drastic examples of the ways that people want to silence us. They want us to be ashamed. They want to force us back in the closet. Time and time again, our clubs, our bars that we call home aren't safe for us. And time and time again, we have to like reach deep down within ourselves to find passion to, to keep going, to keep living out loud. We are living through a moment in which anti-LGBTQ sentiment is at its highest in the form of anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans legislation being passed across the country. And I think there's a direct line that we can trace from this legislation to the type of violence that happens at a club queue, that happens at a pulse. All of these people have this blood on their hands, and I don't think many folks look at it that way. How can I face this? Um, This podcast is about L.A. and people are still transphobic. People are still homophobic. People are still hateful in Mm -hmm. L.A., right? Just because we live in a quote unquote liberal city doesn't mean that we are excluded from this treatment. I've been in situations with you when we have faced some sort of like weirdness. Maybe it's been a microaggression or maybe it's been like homophobic. And I want to make that note that, yes, we are in a very liberal city, but it doesn't mean these things stop there. Well, I mean, I would ask people to think about the spaces that you know of that are Black queer spaces, brown queer spaces in and around Los Angeles. There aren't a lot. Yeah, we have West Hollywood and it's supposed to be this, you know, progressive bastion for a lot of folks. We have Hollywood right here in our backyard. Yet we are settling for Black nights at the white clubs or Latinx nights at the white clubs. Back in the day when we were at the LA Times, I did a story on Jules Ketchmar, one of the first Black gay discos in the country that was closing a number of years ago. And upon the closure of Jules Catch One, there is no Black gay club in Los Angeles, this liberal bastion. When these spaces don't exist, and then when the spaces that do exist get compromised in whatever way, whether that is somebody coming in and and shooting indiscriminately, whether that is gentrification, In so many ways, large and small, I think we keep being reminded this world, no matter what city you live in, isn't built for us, isn't built with us in mind. And I would love for more people to realize that. And so for those for whom this is not your normal, stay in the fight with us when the newspapers are no longer talking about it, when the celebrities, right, are no longer talking about it, because we're still here. All right, Travel, thanks for joining me today. You're a star like always. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Pooh. From Elias Studios, this is How to LA. I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. Catch us Tuesdays through Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.
The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.